Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Hi, I'm Andrew Wallace, and welcome to the We've Got a Problem podcast, where each week we explore inspiring stories of struggle, success, and solutions to prevalent problems and how our guests have turned a problem into an opportunity. This week, I'm joined by Kyle Woods, known professionally as K.M. Woods, a Muay Thai practitioner, fiction author, and literacy evangelist. His new book, A Scourge of Innocence, is out now. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really excited to get a chance to talk because you've done a lot of things. You're... You're you're not just an author. You've you've been a sous chef, pedicab driver. Now you're an author. W- walk me through it all. How how did you get your start? Man, well, my my parents decided that I should be a pharmacist. So when I got out <laughs> of high school, uh, I did one semester of pre med, and I really uh, just didn't like that very much. So then I moved in the creative direction. I went into theater. Um, and in order to pay the bills, being a professional theater person, you get into different jobs. So I was a sous chef at a early morning breakfast spot so I could work really early in the morning and then get off at like two. And that would give me enough time to study my lines and then go to rehearsal at night. Sure. Um, but uh, sous chefing doesn't pay very well. So then I got into pedicabbing, which was on my nights off, I could go out on the streets of the French Quarter and I could basically like put the number in my head I wanted and then I would just grind until I got that number. And then so there I could work like two or three days a week, um, still do the theater. Around that time, I started doing stand-up comedy too. So I would like pedicab to the gigs. I would do my sets. I would get back on the pedicab. I'd work. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was crazy. And then, um, you know, after doing theater long enough, uh, I really fell in love with storytelling in general, just the, the creative process of making a story and creating a character arc and then creating, uh, you know, scenarios to put your characters through. So I became a novelist, uh, went the romantic route, moved to New York, wrote a novel and then, uh, met my fiance. So now I live in Texas and, uh, yeah, a guy tried to rip my head off one night randomly. So I was like, Oh, well I should learn some kind of martial arts. So I started doing Muay Thai. <laughs> well, so that's, I mean, <laughs> Hey, from from necessity becomes the mother of invention. But guy trying to rip your head off uh, as a as an impetus to to finding a new passion is is kind of how um, a lot of these auspicious beginnings uh, are. The so talk to me a little bit about Muay Thai because a lot of people don't know quite what that is. How does that differentiate from other martial arts things like that? So Muay Thai is um, to put it simply, it's Thai boxing, but it's also coined as the art of eight limbs. And by eight limbs, they mean your fists. So traditional boxing or Western style boxing, kicking. So kickboxing, knees and elbows. So all of those weapons are at your disposal when you are fighting Muay Thai. And, um, and I guess to differentiate it from MMA, there's no ground and pound. The only type of wrestling there is, is upright. So if anybody ends up on the ground, the ref is supposed to stop the fight let the fighters get back up and then retake their their stance to get back at it. Yeah, so no ground and pound and um yeah. I mean that's yeah. that's the gist of it. It sounds simple, but once you kind of once you're playing that chess game of like not knowing which weapons coming at you next or which one you should throw next in combination, uh 
it's a chess match. It's yeah. definitely a chess match. Yeah. Well, for sure. And, and, and probably helpful if somebody tries to rip your head off in the future, because at least you've got some skills at your disposal. So, definitely more than I had, for sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> for sure. Definitely more than you, than, than you had. So, I mean, we've got, we, we, we talked a little bit beforehand and, and message back and forth. You've become kind of a literacy evangelist. Um, you'd, you'd read some statistics that that literacy uh, was ha- had fallen in in the United States. We've got a problem with literacy in the U.S. I think let's see, according to the U.S. Department of Education, an estimated 43 million U.S. adults cannot read, write, or do math above a third grade level. That puts us at about 21 percent of the population. Now, I I, I I want my listeners to understand that that statistic may be a little bit high because we have a large immigrant population and that test was conducted in English. However, 66 percent of low skilled adults were actually born in the U.S. So clearly we have an issue. Why do you think we have this problem? I, I'd say an expedient answer has surpassed the the rigor that it would take to find an answer in the old fashioned way. But the thing, the reason the old fashioned way should still have more value is because in the rigor of finding the answers to the questions you want to answer, you're typically going to answer 12 to 13 more questions in the process. Just (laughs) the process of like reading a book is so enriching, especially when you're in the practice of doing it daily. Um, I think that's another thing too, is that, it's kind of like going to the gym. It's like this hump you have to get over to where you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But when you get in the practice of doing it regularly, you'll find that you actually need to do it or a certain piece of yourself will feel that something's missing. At, at least yeah. that's the way literature worked for me. You know, when I was in high school, I didn't I didn't like pick up a book first instinct. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to watch TV. I wanted to watch. I wanted to play video games, you know all the things that are fun and they give you that nice, like fast dopamine release right off the bat. But the, the slow burn of actually like reading a book and taking it in. And I mean, like when you read just actually like the way I like to think about it is like, this is the thoughts of another human being that are so closely tied to them, but also it's your own brain kind of spark firing at those thoughts it's a very intimate process and, and the the magic of that is something that I think really used to be valued. Um, it's something that people very much thought was worth their time, but with with the accessibility of information that we have with new technologies, it's just incredibly difficult to put that on the shelf and then kind of go into this very slow um rigorous difficult thing to do i mean that the thing is we have to be honest about reading it it is very difficult it's a difficult thing to do it's a difficult thing to do correctly it has to be practiced but the benefits of going through that rigor going through that practice the rewards it yields are infinite i mean it's the beauty of books i think yeah well, I, there's a there's there are a couple of components that I want to highlight in what you just said. Part of it is the fact that there is less of a need to read beyond a certain level. That 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 at a that at a basic, very fundamental level, 
you can get everything you need and then just watch it as a YouTube video. You can, you, you don't, if you don't practice these things, you'll, you'll never focus on the, on the concentration that's required to actually delve deeply into a subject. And breadth in some ways is the enemy of depth, right? Being, being, being aware of and just having a surface level knowledge of, of so many things. I, there's, there's also a component of intellectual curiosity and learning to cultivate that because as people read and again as they practice because none of us was perfect when we started reading we all had to go through the process of struggling and now there's 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 a a a tendency to want to again in the interest of expediency to to just get it and go and and move on and and to never dive deeply into something that that actually might be incredibly fascinating. And we're losing that ability to concentrate. So we talked a little bit, and I, I, I try not to, to dwell too much on the societal aspects on, on this show, but we've talked a little bit in the past about the fact that it, some of this just makes sense. And, and I want to, to have you expand on that a, a little bit more. From a societal point of view, low literacy numbers are not really that surprising, right? No, I don't. I don't find them surprising at all. I I think if anything, the the people who see the problem, it, it's getting to the point where you know people who see the value in reading. I think even if it's not an obligation, but a responsibility to at least put the problem as something in the forefront of the society's list of ongoing problems. Because you know the thing about literacy is that. I, I think it's a problem that if you let it get too big, then it's going to spark numerous other problems. Like, you know, the thing is, is a, a sharp-minded society that is well-read and well-versed that can communicate properly because reading these are things that reading helps with across the board, vocabulary, communication, uh, depth of ideas, critical thinking skills. As soon as we start losing all of those little things, then you start having a real issue to where truthful ideas and things that will actually solve really heavy problems in the society aren't going to be able to be answered because you're losing something of a very substantial value. And it and it's beyond yeah. simple, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to word it. It goes beyond just being able to read Harry Potter. It's... <laughs> You know, we we have to be able to understand, uh, you know, psychological books, uh, communication books, business books, um, religious texts. I mean, religious religious texts carry a heavy amount of wisdom. And even if you aren't subscribing to those religions, these are things that we have to be able to understand in, in yeah. order to understand the human condition. Yes. And to understand your fellow man. I mean, just just to, to understand where somebody else is coming from. When you go, you meet somebody on the street. And I, I, I use this as, as just kind of a, a metaphor for, for life. But you meet somebody on the street and they come from a different point of view. And if you aren't able to say, well, that's interesting, I'd like to know more about that and pick up a book or find their sacred religious text or whatever it is and go, now I understand your background. Now I have a better ability to communicate with you and you have an ability to understand me if I can share those books, those things that were, were sacred or, or important to, to me as well. 
Interestingly enough, I did see when I was researching literacy statistics that in a lot of the Arab countries, their literacy rate, their adult literacy rate is in the high 90 percentile. And ours is 79. I mean, we're, we're talking about beyond fundamental basic literacy, that, that they have a high degree of literacy in these countries, partially because of the strong religious background that so many of them come from and how important it is to them as a society to understand their religious texts and to, to know them and to, to recite them. Now, there are other things that go along with that that we certainly won't get into on this show, but interesting to find how much religion can can play a part of this because the Catholic Church for a long time wanted to discourage reading because they didn't want anybody else to interpret the religious text. They wanted the 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 priests, they wanted the Catholic Church will tell you what the interpretation is of the Bible. You are not to make your own interpretation. But even that speaks to the importance of being able to read. The fact that there are people who have a definite wants to stop people from reading yep shows that there's a deep-seated strength and personal value that you will gain from being able to do it well well it's and it's like you say it's like a secret weapon i mean it to be able to unlock all this this knowledge that's out there and we're i i'm kind of surprised and also not at the fact that we have more information at our fingertips and we make less and less use of it every day. Like, it's all out there. It's right there. Hey, I feel like the Reading Rainbow commercial, but just take a look. It's in a book. Right. The- <laughs> uh, that's, and, I mean, what's what's great about the, the expedient tools that are dispersing this information is that you can find the right book immediately. I mean, I don't know if you remember, like, before, you know, I... I was pretty young when I started reading books, but finding the right book for whatever you were working on used to be a process in itself of like, yep. you know, going to the library, talking to the librarian about like this subject so much and like try, just hoping that they have some semblance of an idea of what you're working on so that they can point you in the direction of a book that might have the information you're looking for. Yes. Yes. And I, I very few, I mean, fewer and fewer people. And I think, I'm kind of the last of the generation because computerized card catalogs were coming in when I was in school, right? right so right. we had, we still had in, in a lot of libraries, you had to go to the actual card file because not everything had been cataloged yet. So you had to pull out the card and go off some summary, hoping that you'd found the right one, then go find the book read a little bit of the book to find out if you even said what you were trying to to learn about and then go back and 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 keep doing. So you'd end up just stacking up this pile of books in the library before you found the one that was like, this is kind of what I'm actually trying to figure out. And then you remember the feeling that you would get when you found that book. Finally, you'd just be like, <laughs> yes. And then like the work hasn't even started yet, but you're already right. feeling like a sense of accomplishment because you're like, well, this is definitely the book I need. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a hundred percent of the battle that battle solved for us now. Like, you know, if you're, if you're trying to figure out how do I, how do I fund a startup? You yep. type into Google books on how to fund a startup and there's like six of them. And then you start, you, you read four or five reviews on each book, right? You gauge, you know, I, I like basically what 
the idea of each book is and you're like, well, that's the one, that's the one. Maybe you order two from Amazon for $5 a piece. <laughs> and they're in, they're there in two days. Right, right. And we again, we've got so much access to it. The, I, there is another component that I, that I think about that that brings up, which is the fact that the cost, the, the barrier to entry for publishing a book has gone down substantially. And that is good and bad, right? Because it makes people uh, like you and, and people like me trying to do a podcast and all these things, we can just put it out there. You can you can write a book, you can make a podcast, you can do whatever and, and get it out there. But that also means that there's there's a lot less vetting that goes on. There's no there's no big publisher standing behind uh, a lot of these books saying that that's gone through the editorial process. That's that said, can we verify the claims that this guy is making or or do whatever? Especially when it comes to actual uh, real uh, tactile tactical boy i'm using the wrong word here actual education material because you know fiction is fiction right you 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 write a great story it's it's fantastic it's a a new story fine but if you're trying to actually do research and actually learn about a topic and somebody makes definitive declarative statements about something you'd certainly hope that somebody had looked at it and said well yeah actually with that that we can we can show that not that if if i said to you cigarette smoking is good for your health that I could back that up. And of course, nobody can. So nobody's making that that claim. But in the sense that you you could go in that somebody had had read it. So that does help. And it, there was a day back when, you know, times were times that Random House or, or whatever publisher would put something through this long process. But of course, that one slowed things way down, way, way too slow for, for today's world. And two meant that you had to get accepted by somebody and hopefully they would agree with your ideas. And that's a big confirmation bias issue where, you know, we, we've got, so I, I, that, that's a, that's a big mix. But when we look at these things, when we find a, find that book that, that, that works for us and, and it's like, it used to be like winning a scavenger hunt. And now you just go on and you pick it up and you're done. You've got it. It's there. And I, I, I I do miss the days of of, uh, of of actual physical paper books and and a library only only for for feeling like I was a winner because I was able to find that book before somebody else in the class was able to find it and check it out since they only had one copy and I needed to grab that for my report on the same subject. Right, right. You had to fight over books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back when, hey, you imagine there was a day where people fought over books. Fought over. Yeah. Well, that's not happening anymore. Like, so I, all right, so so go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I say like in in what you're saying about the accessibility of of being published now, you know, even that more, you know, kind of harps on the point that it's the vetting is now done by the individual themselves. It's not yeah. going to be done for you by a publishing house. There's a lot more literature being printed and a lot less people reading it. Yeah. Um, well, maybe that's not true. Maybe more people are reading literature, but the 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 point is is that if you're going to enter this vastly you know, internally expansive world of reading books, you have to be able to vet what is good literature and what is not good literature, and that's yeah. going to come from reading good literature and reading bad literature. Right. It, uh, that comes from the practice again, just the actual repetition of seeing it. Because you can't, uh, you can't know till you find it, and you're like, "That's good." 
that's yeah you're you're the publishing house now yeah individual so yeah. that's that's a that's a thing of power though that's a good thing i think it is a good thing no it's fantastic it's fantastic it's but it's become much more of a buyer beware kind of situation where you do need to to start to to really use your head because nobody's done it for you. And I think that's and there's a probably, lot of sharks out there trying yeah. to capitalize on, you know, what's popular in the moment. Um, yes. Yeah, just don't get caught up buying those books. And, you know, you, you can genuinely, you can pretty often tell when you open a book uh, whether the person's passionate about what they're talking about yeah. or if they're trying to make a quick buck. So, yeah, I, there's, a, there's a, a thing that I think one of the... I think it was YouTube growth strategies or one of those things that somebody said, when you watch somebody on YouTube who's trying to grow or make their their thing do it, and they're giving you advice on what you should be doing to grow on YouTube, look not at what they're telling you to do, but what they're actually doing. Because mm-hmm. there's two very different things of, of, of how people act. So in some ways, if somebody's trying to, you're reading a book about how to lose weight and how to do whatever. Look at what they either actually did or whether they were actually able to do it. Because, hey, that's that's the action speaks way way louder than words. All right. How can we inspire young people to take an interest in reading? What can we do? I ask myself that question every day. And you know, I was lucky, you know, I I you know the the say what you want whether you like Harry Potter or not the that phenomenon of like the entire world being completely engrossed by a series of books that had a powerful effect on me um so you know my aim is to try to replicate that experience for young people at some point um but what i would say is if you are a young person and you're interested in the idea of reading just know there are books out there that will go to those dark places that you're interested in um and they are catered towards young people i you know i say one of the books that inspired a scourge of innocence was the outsiders by se henson because i i had a teacher give me that book in fourth grade because she said she saw that I had an interest in reading and she's like, I think you would like this book. And she gave me that book. And when I tell you like the concept of a book about gang members <laughs> never crossed my mind, you know, cause up until that point, everything we had read had been, you know, sunshine and daisies and, you know, children's literature. And that, right. you know, that has its place in the world as well, but finding a book that will actually kind of expose you to a little bit of adulthood because ultimately that's what kids want. They want to they want to start feeling like they're gaining their own independence and if you find that book that is going to a place that makes you feel like an adult. Yeah. You know, stick with it. Actually like, you know, even if it's a little bit above your reading level, kind of work try to work your way through it. I'll never forget like when I was in I was in like 7th or 8th grade, I tried to work through a Michael Crichton novel <laughs> and you know, like I didn't really understand what was happening because he's got a lot of like, you know, scientific terminology yep. and a lot of vocabulary I didn't understand. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I was sitting there with a dictionary looking it all up. But just the process of trying to work through something that was a little above my pay grade, it it gives you that sense of accomplishment. Yep. And that's the reward of books. It's It's not you're not trying to be smarter than everybody. You're not trying to 
you know, show up anybody with reading and, you know, any high school, you know, bully will show you that, but there is a certain mental and idea worthy accomplishment that comes from actually working through difficult literature and taking that on. It, it, it should be something you're proud of. You know what I mean? Um, so explore, explore new ideas, explore scary ideas. I mean, it's, it, it makes total sense to me why Stephen King is so popular. I mean, he just, <laughs> he'll go into really dark places and he'll take you with them. And there's a, like you said, an intellectual curiosity to go there. And I, for me, that was what kind of locked me in. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and hey, look, you can have an experience without leaving your living room that that yeah. that takes you deep into something that you might be totally afraid to go uh, normally that in you know, physically in reality but in the power of your mind in the dark corners you can explore lots of different things and yeah, have a lot of fun you'll discover in your 20s you're going to go for everything in the external world trying to like you know you know, you're going to you're going to go for everything out there and you're going to realize real quick that like 99 percent of life is all like here yep. and here. And once you realize that it's like the world opens up to you entirely and, you know, books bring you there. Bro books have the power to bring you there. It's um the power of the written word is something that has intimidated people for centuries. Um, <laughs> it's something that has expanded minds for centuries it's made people's lives better. I mean, it's, it's made my life better tenfold. So yeah, I will, I'll advocate the rest of my life. Even if I, you know, if something crazy happens, I can't read anymore. I'll, you know, if you can read, read. And if you don't like reading, you should practice it until you do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's, a, there's also a place there. There are people who are slow readers. I'm actually a slower reader, but for other reasons, because I just sit there and contemplate every word as I'm reading it and think about it. And then I admire what they've done to write it because I'm trying to write myself and all those things. But even if you're a, if you're a slow reader, bringing in audiobooks mm -hmm. as a component of your schedule, because a lot of us have extra time that we're in the car. And of course, if you're in the car, you should be listening to the We've Got a Problem podcast. But <laughs> otherwise... You might ought to pick up an audiobook to continue on. One of the best functions that I've found lately is, and this is not a paid sponsorship or anything, but that Audible and the Kindle sync up really nicely so that you can be listening to your audiobook in the car, get out, and then pick up your Kindle and continue reading right where you left off. And that's a fantastic function to... To, to give you a chance to continue on, I don't always have a couple of hours to sit around and read a book, but I do have a couple of hours where I'm in the car, driving to the gym, working out at the gym. I've listened to so many fantastic books while I've been working out that take, you know, working out isn't always the most exciting thing. It's a lot of <laughs> things over and over and over again. So, so we got to get you in quick tie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But finding those moments and, and, and figuring out how to get back into it, because I think a lot of us have just also gotten out of the habit. And it is a habit of picking up books and exploring those things. And my life has been made tremendously better for it. And by the way, there are people who don't want you to read. So... You should uh, pick up a book tomorrow. We're getting to the end here. I have a couple of questions I like to ask everybody now that I've done all my speaking. What is, in your opinion, the biggest fallacy 
that everybody buys into. It can be very broad, uh, general, or specific to to the things that we've talked about. What what do you think is horribly overrated? Comfort, just comfort, being comfortable, wanting comfort, wanting to get to a comfortable place, comfort, safety. Yeah, are completely overrated in my opinion. I and you know the older I get, the less value I see in it. But it makes sense because the counter to that is, uh, you know, constantly facing fear, yeah. which, you know, call me crazy, but I'm starting to find it. The result of that is a far more challenging life, a far more rewarding life. And um, you'll surprise yourself by what you're capable of by yes. pursuing fear instead of comfort. Yes. Uh, and you know what? I, one of my early guests had a great way of putting it to your point, which was that there's there's multiple different zones. Say rank them from one to 10 for your comfort level with something. And you go, when you're in a one to four, you're in the comfort zone. When you're at like a five to, to seven, you're in the learning zone. And that's a great place to be. Above a seven, eight, nine, ten, you're in the anxiety zone. Let's stay out of the anxiety zone because you're not going to be able to take in new information at all when you're up there. Uh, but, well, I think occasionally you got to peek your head in there, though. Yeah, well, you got to. Yeah. Well, you got to keep testing it because it moves. That's the thing, right? As you learn more, you you reduce the amount of anxiety that comes with all these things. The only so, re- the only reason I say that is um, because I I'm I had my first fight. Uh, not this upcoming Saturday, but next Saturday. And it is anxiety inducing, but being that it's on the schedule, like I, I, I can see the day where it's going to happen. I have to at least touch that anxiety a little bit every day so that when that day comes, I'm prepared to take on that level of anxiety. Yeah. But, yeah. So well, it's that's the learning zone. You know what I mean? Yes. But, yes. It's at the top of the learning zone. That's right where you want to be. Right. You know, because then you're maximizing the, the effort and, and energy that you're putting into something. But when you're in the comfort zone, nothing's happening. You're not getting anywhere. You're making Stagnant. zero progress. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So conversely, what is the most underrated concept you think people overlook? What, what are people missing? What do we need more of? Valuing wisdom over monetary gains or material gains. Wisdom is a value that I, when I see it, I'm very happy to see it, but I don't see it as much as I'd like to see it. Yeah. So valuing wisdom and not understanding that there is a constant search for it, um, whether whether you're choosing it or not, you know, wisdom has a way of finding people uh, through life. And if you seek it voluntarily, you'll more than likely gain a lot more of it than if you're just kind of waiting for it to come. Yeah. Everybody learns from experience. You're Everybody's going to have some experience to some level, but actually seeking out those experiences and the wisdom that comes with it, um, it would do everybody a great benefit, I believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us, folks. If you want to know more about Kyle, you can find him on his website at kmwoodsauthor.com. Check out convictionchampionship.shop, his Muay Thai promotional company. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Links to everything are in the show notes as always. And until next time, we don't have a problem. We've got an opportunity.